Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. You know, um, and God will never give up on you. That's so beautiful. Thank you for your story. Um, I think our story is also, it's also a story of, of redemption. Um, yesterday, um, we, we celebrated Lane's birthday, our daughter, and it was such a wonderful, wonderful, just seeing children, seeing people from different generation groups, people from cultures from around the world. Mm. And um, just everybody, just with their own stories. Mm. So um, that, was, that really spoke so much to my heart yesterday. And today is Mother's Day. And like Peter also mm-hmm. shared, there's, everybody's got a story. And everybody sitting here is born from a mother. Mm. So, um, and some, some feel, um, you know, you, you're so happy because you can just gather your, your children underneath your arms. And, and what better story is there than that? Just loving your children. But then there's people sitting here and your children are far away. They're in another country. You want them. And there's, there's even people here that just feel that your children doesn't want anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's, there's people that lost their mothers in mm. tragic ways, but God, God is the, he's in the redeeming business. Amen. And, and He wants to restore that, you know, this distorted um, picture of motherhood. He wants to restore that for us. And even, even longing for a child, like Anna was crying before God for a child. Um, his God wants to change our minds about motherhood. So um, I just remember um, we visited my sister at Samora and they, that, uh, at a game lodge. And my daughter, she saw this kudu and she said, I really want this, this beautiful horns of a kudu. So, um, you know, that just falls in your mind because you, there is some kudu heads. So I went for a run and um, found this beautiful trophy bones lying there and I'm so far away from (laughs) home but I decided, you know what, I'm going to carry this. And I I put the horns behind my neck and I was running with the horns holding it like this and I was running with it because I wanted to give this to my child. Mm. She wants it. And suddenly I just realized, and God just said to me, what are you doing? You're carrying, carrying a dead head. There's, there's no life in it. There's absolutely no life in it. And it's just there, just God spoke to me and said, I want to change the way you think. Sure. You know, the, it's, it's, we, we have a mindset of, of no life mm-hmm. in it. But God wants to change that. Mm-hmm. And He wants to extend your mind so much sure. further um, of, of, of motherhood, what mm-hmm. it really means. Um, and yesterday, 
because I just come coming every time my head just comes back to the picture also of, of fathers, like Peter also said. Mm. It was fathers nurturing their children, mm. giving them milk, staying with them the whole time, the baby. And there was there was men. There was nurturing children that's mm. not of their own blood. Mm. But they were nurturing them. And that was so beautiful. And I just felt this that God was just saying, you know what, where does it start? Mm. It starts of motherhood starts with the father nurturing you. Sure. And that's what um, you know, in Psalm 131 it also reads of of how how I'm I'm still in the Lord's arms, so close. Because I'm I'm like a winged child. And it made me think of Samuel when, I mean, Hannah had to go and leave Samuel there with Eli. But he was at such a good place because he was now being nurtured by God himself. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to nurture you so that you can be nurturing others. And he wants to, he actually... He wants to open the gates of your mind, like Psalm 24 says. He wants to open it up so that the King of Glory can come in. That that He's that He's birth even in the men that's sitting here today. Amen. That He's birth in your minds. How to nurture people all around you. And I just yeah, I just felt Abigail, I don't know where you are, but God is just talking to you and He's just saying that He wants to do so much more than what you think. Amen. He, he, you are nurturing, you're going to nurture so many children. Amen. Because of His love. And that's the drive behind us as mothers, as fathers sitting here. You know, the love that God has for us. And, and I also... Yesterday, when all the children were playing there, and the fathers, and all these generations, I just, I just heard the, the, the words of, of Jesus when he walked into Jerusalem in Matthew 23. He just said, you know, it's like I want to gather my, my children, sure. like like him gathers his children under his wings, mm-hmm. and that he's talking to us, mm-hmm. you know, to go out and wherever you are. God wants to bring those children in under His arms through us. Amen. Yeah, and, and I praise the Lord because yesterday was such a celebration of a restored family. Twelve years ago, it was a different story. Mm-hmm. It, we, our, how our family was and what was said about us and, and God restored it in such a way. He expanded it so much sure. that we could invite the nations to Amen. our home. And that's, that's what God is doing. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Amen. It's real this morning. That's how it should be. Church is for real people. Amen. And uh, for a real restoration. And uh, God is not a respecter of persons. God wants to do this for everyone. God's uh, love is, is boundless, the Word says. It, it doesn't stop. It doesn't end. There's no measure to it. Neither height, nor breadth, nor length, nor depth. Nothing 
can measure. It's the love that goes beyond our knowledge. So even if you say, yeah, but it's not for me because of this reasons, you don't know all the reasons in the room. Amen? And you don't know all the miracles in the room. And you don't know everything God is doing. But uh, with God, nothing is impossible. And um, I want to just uh, jump in here and just follow on from what's already been shared by the two, two ladies. From Isaiah 51, and verse 1 speaks, uh, um, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, it says, Listen to me. That's a good word for someone. <laughs> Listen to me, you who chase after righteousness, you who passionately pursue the Lord. Look back to Abraham, the rock from which you were cut, to Sarah, the quarry from which you were dug, and remember what I did for them. Yes, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For when I called Abraham, he was but one person, but I blessed him greatly, so that he became, or that one became many. That just echoes what you just said. Indeed, Yahweh will, com- Yahweh will comfort Zion. He will restore her and comfort all her broken places. What a beautiful promise God is making to us this morning. He will transform her wilderness into the garden of bliss, her desert into the garden of Yahweh. Joy and laughter, Aniki, will fill the air with thanksgiving and joyous melodies. I mean, it's so awesome. Like, this is just echoing the true life stories that we've heard already this morning. Verse 4 says, Listen to me, my people. Pay attention to, my, to me, my nation, for I released my teaching to the nations. And I will cause the light of justice to rest on them. My teaching. I think uh, we so undervalue doctrine. We so undervalue teaching. And um, this week I was reminded of it. On Friday we had a, a meeting with the Kenyan uh, TV station that we broadcast um, some of our programs on. And um, I don't know if you've heard in the news, but there's a massacre. They've, they've come upon these mass graves of people who were part of a cult that um, basically starved to death because of this is how they wanted to meet Jesus in the end times. I think the death count is close to 200 that they've already now uncovered. And it just shows you that the, 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 that doctrine is life and death. Because why did they starve themselves? Because they believed the wrong teaching. They didn't know the true nature of God and there wasn't uh, a love in that. So it's so important. This is listen to me, my people, for I release my teachings to the nations. That's the message of grace. That's the calling, the doctrine of Christ. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, that's really what God is about, is to restore nations. And yesterday, uh, Shane and I had the privilege of recording some more programs. And it was just so awesome to, um, to just get in. <laughs> like, we just went for it. Because really, a part of what this ministry in Kenya wants to do, is they want to, they want to uproot incorrect doctrines. They want to uproot lies. They want to uproot false things about God and who people think God is. So we just upped it a level. And, and we're speaking into that. We're speaking into bringing freedom and bringing life really into, this, uh, in, into the nations. Amen? To send it off and send it out into the nations. Henry, it's a bit cold in front here. Can you, we don't all have a thick jacket like you. So, uh, <laughs> if you can help us out. Amen. So, I want to look at the story of Eve. Okay? The story of Eve. Now, we always, uh, we, we often speak about the, the second Adam. But I want to just jump into Eve. And, uh, you know, Eve is actually already the second. Because it's a name change. First, she's called something else. Eve is called woman. 
Amen. And then Abraham, oh, not Abraham, it's not Abraham yet. Adam, who is the name giver, he changes his wife's name, or he gives her a name. She doesn't have a name, actually. He calls a woman. It's not a name. It's just like, this is who you are. You are man from man, or woman, it means from a man. And then after, she makes a massive mistake. After she listens to the devil. After she eats of the wrong tree. After she messes up big time. He gives her a name. And the name is Eve. And it literally means life giver. Or the giver of life. And um, it's obviously speaking about motherhood. But I believe it's speaking about more. And I want to dig into that quickly. So there's two accounts of the creation. The first is in Genesis 1. But if you read on to Genesis 2... It also gives you some more details. So Genesis 2, from verse 4, says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth after they were created, at the time Yahweh God created earth and heaven. Verse 5, There was yet no vegetation, grains of the field or shrubs sprouting on the earth, for there was not one to cultivate the land. I mean, that's a... I want to preach on that. <laughs> because there wasn't anyone to cultivate, there wasn't any growth. I mean, that, we can speak about it at our next leaders meeting. If we are ready to cultivate, then God's ready to bring growth. Amen? But there needs to be someone to cultivate. God is into order. So, and God had not yet sent rain. In those days, a mist arose from the soil and watered the whole face of the ground. Yahweh scooped up a lump of soil, sculpted a man, and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive a living soul. Okay, so that's the creation of Adam, made from mud. That's why boys to today still want to play in the mud. I mean, uh, girls not so much. Why? Have you ever wondered about this? Because they weren't made from the mud. It's not, it, it's, it's, it's awesome, but it's so awesome we miss it. Again, I'm not saying girls are not allowed to play in the mud. I'm just saying, in general, boys are more prone to it. Verse 8. Then Yahweh God planted a lush garden, paradise in the east, in the land of the light, and there he placed the man he had formed. Oh, I shared on uh, Eden and Paradise on Wednesday night in ministry school. That was awesome. And um, just the, the free version is that you are now God's paradise. So God doesn't want to go back to Eden. He wants to live in you. You are God's paradise. God lives in you. I mean, so this is, comes from all the way from Genesis. Verse 9 says, God made all kinds of beautiful trees to grow there, fruitful trees to satisfy the taste. In the middle of the garden, he planted the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, so God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work and to watch over it. Okay? And Yahweh God commanded him, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but you must not eat of the tree that gives the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will most certainly die. Okay, so where are we? We're in the, in the garden, the garden of Eden, paradise. Who's there? Adam. Adam and the trees, amen? Adam and the trees are there. Then um, there's a, a naming exercise which happens. God sends the animals and Adam names them. He gives them a name. But verse 18 then says, It's not good for man to be alone. So with all the animals, there's not yet a companion found for Adam. I mean, a dog is a good friend, but it's not the same as your wife. 
Maybe for some of you, <laughs> if that, uh, if that, if you receive that in another way, let me pray for you after the service, please. Amen. <laughs> There's hope. Let's restore. But um, it says, "I have yet to find, or I will fashion a suitable partner to be his help and strength." I love how the passion renders that. Like the wife is the help and the strength of a man. Verse twenty-one. So Yahweh God caused Adam to fall into a deep trance. And while he slept, ladies, that's why we don't wake up when the babies cry. It's like we play in the mud and we sleep deeply. Amen. <laughs> he took a portion of Adam's side and closed the place with fresh. So he didn't. What, how did he form Adam? Soil and mud. How did he form Eve? From Adam's side. So it's different. He closed it with flesh. Then God used the portion of Adam's side, and the word says, skillfully crafted a woman and presented her to man. Amen. So this is a beautiful story. In, in, um, in Genesis 1, you don't get this detail. But the word skillfully crafted, um, that word, the verb there in the Hebrew, is not used for anything else in creation. It's the only time that word is used. Not for Adam, only for the woman. It's not yet Eve. So we again have a misunderstanding of uh, our children's Bible. Because it's only Eve after the tree. It's man and woman. Now, it makes a difference, by the way. You might think, ah, what market? No sock. Just listen, I'll show you. Okay? So he skillfully crafted, crafted this woman. It takes one verse, one, to describe the creation of Adam. Okay? Ladies. It takes six verses. To describe the creation of the woman. So one verse in Genesis 2 is ascribed to the creation of Adam. Six verses. That's probably why you speak so much, don't you? <laughs> now I'm getting naughty. Shane and I was naughty yesterday when we, uh, we did one recording on uh, should you be circumcised to be saved. And um, you can watch out for that one. It was, it was fun. <laughs> The answer is yes, by the way, but maybe not as you think. Okay, so verse 23. Then Adam said, At last, one like me, her bones were formed from my bones and her flesh from my flesh. This one, this one will be called woman. Okay? So he calls, names the, the animals and then he calls this woman. For she was taken from a man. Wu is from, from man. She was taken from a man. Okay, so it's man and woman. For from her husband, God reached into himself. This is a picture of the church, actually. So beautiful. God reaches into himself and he creates in his image and likeness and he creates the church. So ladies, you might feel special about six verses, but gents, this is about the church. So you can also feel special this morning. Amen. We are made from God's side in his image and likeness to be a companion for Jesus. Amen? To be his bride. Then he said, at last, one like me. Amen? Adam is dust refined. Then the woman is double refined. For she was taken from man and shaped again by God's hand. So God did the best work. Now, so the son of man also went into a deep sleep of death. So that his beloved bride would come forth. First Adam, 
second Adam, from Adam we were born, now being from Christ. Eve was in Adam before she became his bride, and we were chosen in the anointed before we were even born. Think about that. Eve was inside of Adam, and then she was formed. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and then we were manifested and formed. And now there's the second birth, which is after the deep sleep of death that Jesus went through. Isn't that beautiful? The bridegroom king and the bride. That's the story of redemption. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of Ruth, the great-grandmother of David. That's the story of Jesus, isn't it? That's the story of us, because it's the story of the church. And I want to share that with you this morning, because we often, um, I mean, it's, it's sort of easy to preach on Father's Day. But I believe this year God has shown a depth of, of what He wants us to share. Not just on Mother's Day, but which speaks to that nurture and that care. But then also to see ourselves as the bride, as the life giver. Because this is the beautiful story in Genesis 2. Now you know when you uh, watch a movie and someone has this awesome romantic get-together and they get married? When does the movie stop? Right after the wedding. And then they drive into the sunset and they've got the blickies that come behind and it says just married and then it pans to a close and it says the end. Why? Because that's where the fairy tale stops. Amen? That's where life starts. And that's really so important that we know that this story, as beautiful as it is, didn't stop in Genesis 2. As life is, and as we are, and as mistakes happen, and as we make wrong decisions, Genesis 3, unfortunately, there's a big mishap. Again, I was always wondering who is to blame, but thank you, Paul, for, for telling us it's Eve. Okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the verses, but um, the problem was Adam was there with her, and Adam just didn't speak up. What should Adam have done? He should have chased the snake away. He should have, like, pursued his wife so that she didn't listen to the snake. But now, something happens. They eat of the wrong tree. Okay? And then, it's really, it's a, probably the first story of grace. Because it, I'm not jokingly saying that it was Eve's fault. The word says it in 2 Corinthians that Eve was beguiled by the snake. Now Adam followed very closely behind. But if you think who was the first to sin. Let's just not make this a feminist thing. Just like Eve ate first. Okay? The grace is. That the promise of the Redeemer, the promise of salvation, the promise of Christ to come is not made to Adam. It's made to Eve. That's beautiful. Like I was thinking in this week and I was speaking to God. I said, God, I want to speak on mothers and I want to, I want to use different examples. And, and I was thinking about Ruth and I was thinking about Hannah and I was thinking about Rebecca. Um, I was thinking about all these and, and I just felt the Holy Spirit said, don't forget Eve. Don't forget Eve. And when I know, when I hear the, the voice of God like that, I know I'm going to go dig. And I was so blessed by just digging this out. 
And we're not going to get to any of the others because the story of redemption is so clearly spoken to Eve. So 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is one of the verses I quote most often and in Bible school all the time. What we teach should be Christ. If it's anything else, then we are beguiled by the serpent. I know that's a big statement, but there's scripture to back that up. 1 Timothy 2 verse 14 says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sober-mindedness. It doesn't mean you have to give birth to be saved. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a painless birth. I've read books on that. It means that salvation comes through the bearing of the child from the virgin's womb. That's what he's spoken about. There's no other interpretation needed, because if it's another interpretation, it's not Christ, then you'll be God. The woman is saved through childbearing. How? Christ came in the virgin's womb, and she gave birth for the Savior of the world. So even though Paul makes it clear that Eve was in transgression, it is by Eve that Jesus comes. It is by Eve that the restoration happens. It is through the woman, the woman's seed, that we all now are one with God. Because Christ came, not through Adam's seed. He came as a second Adam, the Son of God. So God had to give him a foster father which was Joseph. But I don't know if anyone here might be fostered or adopted. Jesus wasn't with Joseph when he said, I'm about my father's business. He was in the temple. No matter what your story, we all have the true father, which is our God, which is the one that cares, nurtures, restores. And then we have this beautiful thing happening in Genesis 3 15 and it says in verse 15 there, and I will put enmity between the woman and between the snake and between your seed and between and her seed. So that's the virgin birth. There's a promise that includes Eve and says that the, that which is going to come from the woman is going to crush Satan's head. Isn't that beautiful? Not the woman, what comes from the woman, what comes through the woman. The Amplified says, and I will put enmity or open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed. You see, it's, it's woman. It's not Eve. Just hang on, we, we, we're going to get there now. There's a hostility between the snake and Adam's wife. The woman. She doesn't have a name yet. Ye shall fatally bruise your head. Now, Paul picks up on this in Romans, and he says, you will crush Satan. The, I think the Amplified says, you will beat his head to a pulp. Where does he get it? Genesis 3 and verse 15. It's nothing new. It's the promise. Okay? Many consider this verse, the, um, they call this a protevangelium. Meaning the first announcement of the gospel. 
I can preach the gospel from Genesis 1, so I don't necessarily agree with this, but it is a definite encounter, a promise of the Christ to come. This is a prophecy about the Messiah, who through his death on the cross and resurrection, will ultimately defeat Satan, the power behind the serpent with a death blow. Okay? So something bad happens, Adam and Eve makes a massive mistake, and then God makes a promise of restoration. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll put my hand up. Who's ever made a mistake? (laughs) Who's ever made a big mistake? Who's ever made a big mess? Amen. And what happens? There's the first example of the first big mistake in the history of mankind. And God shows up and He redeems it in the instance. He doesn't wait for them to repent. He didn't wait for them to say sorry. He didn't wait for them to give or fast or, or do anything. He came to them. And he said, where are you? Because I want to restore you. Where are you? Because I want to clothe you. Where are you? Because I want to love on you. Where are you? Because I want to make a promise. Where are you? Because Satan will be defeated. Not because of you, but through you. Not because of your mistakes, despite your mistakes. Not because of the wrong things that you've done, despite the wrong things that you've done. And that is the story of redemption. And now five verses later, Adam realizes what God has done. And he says, this is no longer just a woman. No, 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 no. She needs a name. She needs an identity. Because now she has a destiny. Now she has a purpose. Now she has a place to belong. And he changes her name. I don't believe it's a name change. You can study it out. Because it never says that he names her. It says that he calls her woman. Now in verse 20, if you can put that up for us, it says so beautifully that now he gives her a name. And he called his wife. He called her. So before he said, woman, come here. Maybe not in that tone. Amen. (laughs) He says, woman, come, come here. I am the name giver. I have the authority. I named all the animals. And now I want to name you my wife. I want to name you Eve. I want to name you Life Giver. Not the one who made the big mistake. Not mess up. Not not, not nothing bad. Nothing downtrodden. He lifts her up. And he says, you will be the one that brings salvation and life. The Christ for all nations. He heard the promise of God to his wife. And he says, no, I need to uplift the one who made a mistake. The one who caused all this mess. I want to give her a name. I want to name her Eve. Because she is the mother of all the living. That's not just the mother of every biological child. It includes that. I believe it speaks of the rebirth. I believe it speaks of a second birth, the born from above, which Christ now, which was born from her seed, virgin birth, will now usher in an open door for all to come and be born again, be restored, be redeemed, be renewed, to be His bride. Firstly, we are formed like Adam, dust men and woman out of the mud. Just when we die, we become dust again. But now there's a second birth. There's the deep sleep. And then there's the second birth. And now out of this, there is a spirit man. 
a spirit that comes and lives on the inside of us. It's clear in the word that Adam was a living soul. Didn't have a spirit. But now in the second Adam, out of him, we are born again. And he is a life-giving spirit. Isn't that a beautiful story? The gospel from Genesis 3. In Eve, the giver of life. Some even give that a, a capital L. In the Passion it says life giver, capital L. Because she ushers in. Now the word in Hebrew is a double meaning. It's a pun, which is hava, which we get Eve from, which is very similar to the word for life or living. Isn't that beautiful? We think sin, die. God says no, sin, life. Restore, redeem, revive. Now the mother um, says that she will be the mother of all living. So we've looked at woman out of man. We've looked at Eve, the one that brings life. The word mother there is really the point of the vision. Now obviously when you are a mother, when you give birth, there's a divide between the baby and the mother. Okay? But it also speaks of a point of departure. Because when you are born, that's when your life starts. So because of Eve, she now, the one who made the mistake, she now is the point of departure for the redemption story of the world. Isn't that beautiful? Therefore, she is now called the giver of life. Not because she did anything. I want you to get that. We don't worship Eve. We worship what came from Eve. We worship the one who made the promise to Eve. But we can see that God can use, even in the midst of our biggest mistakes, us to be part of His global rescue mission. To be part of redeeming the world. Amen? I don't know about you, this gives me so much hope. This is such a beautiful picture of how God just brings it all together. Right from the start. He had a plan right when the mess happened. He made a promise in the midst of their hiding from God. He says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Aniki, you don't understand. Whoever you you don't understand. When you make a mistake, you don't hide from me. Because I'll get you. I'll find you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me every day of my life. And I'm going to find you. And I'm not going to let you lie in your puddle of shame. No, because your, 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 your sin is paid for. Your life is redeemed. You're, you're going to be restored. You're going to just have to say yes. Like what, how did Mary receive the miracle? This is a key for us. She said, according to your word, let it be unto me. Not according to my understanding. Not according to the shame that I'm going to go through because I'm going to uh, um, sort of birth a child out of wedlock. No, 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 no. Not what the world thinks. What God says. According to your word, 
and let it be unto me. And that's really the birthplace for a miracle. So, we see that mothers ushered in redemption and salvation. Or let's say God ushers in redemption and salvation with restoration through Eve. Amen? Through mothers. The first mother. And it's not just Cain and Abel. It speaks of much more. Sarah, her, Abraham's seed isn't just Isaac. Galatians says it's Christ. So it's never about just what we birth. It is what gets birthed in what we nurture. What we nourish. I mean, there's such beauty in, 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 in a restoration. I mean, if I look at my wife, some days I sit in my home office and I have a small window that I can peep out and I see her with the two boys on the grass. I just think, wow. What a beautiful story. What selfless love. Literally giving her life to raise two boys. You know why? Because Jesus lives in her. That's what he does. And he's just looking for who will help him. Who will love the least of these. Because when we see children, when we see brokenness, when we see sin, when we see a mess, God sees gold. God sees kings. He sees queens. He sees treasure. He's willing to give up everything he has. Because he found a pearl of great price. When no one else saw it, he's willing to give up at all. When no one else believed in you, when no one knew what I was going through, when no one really understood what Aniki was going through, Oh, my Lisa, we all have a story. Come, let's be real this morning. When no one knew, God was there. When no one understood, His love was real. Even when we didn't understand it, or we weren't in a place to receive it even, it didn't change how He loves us. For God is love. We see this in Eve, Sarah, Rebecca, Moses' mother. Think of the faith of Moses' mother. She doesn't get the honor she needs or deserves. Rahab, I'm sure she had children. <laughs> the widow woman who ministered to Elijah. Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's all throughout. But they were the ones who were willing to trust and obey God. What makes a great mother? It's not biology. It's God's love. Like you said, if we fathered well, then we can love well. Luke 1, 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, Mary picked up on this because she experienced a miracle. 
That's why she goes to Jesus when the wine is finished. And she says, hey, the wine is finished. Now let's just get off of our religious thrones and realize that Jesus made six alabaster jars full of wine for people who was already drunk. Now you tell me Jesus won't meet you in your mess. The word says clearly don't be given to wine. I, I believe that. Doesn't mean if you're given to wine, he's, he's going to leave you there. And Mary has a little bit of advice that she gives to the servants. And I believe I want to echo that to us this morning. She says, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Second time that she operates in that faith. First time Jesus is conceived in her womb. According to your word, let it be unto me. And now she lives as you've received the Lord. She received Christ inside of her. Now she lives accordingly. As you've received the Lord, now walk in Him. Let's not keep faith for salvation. But let's live by faith. Because we have salvation. There's the people out there who don't. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings Our aim is to help you discover Jesus find family and experience life To contact us or to find out where and when we meet visit our website www.gracelife.ca Dot see